I applied for a new position at work and then there's a new manager position opened up. And so now that we've been like wrestling around with, you know, whether I should try for that or not. And, you know, I don't know. That's, it's weird. I mean, yeah, absolutely. No, there's all the decisions that you were planning on having to make, but then here's a completely different one. One that you didn't know was going to be an option. Yeah. It came out of left field, man. And it was, and you know, I think the heart of it that I was, I was talking to Kristen about it is that, you know, for the longest time I have resisted the promotion at work or resisted, you know, responsibility of any sort, because I was afraid that if I took a promotion, then that would mean more work at the day job. And if that means more Mm -hmm. work at the day job, then that means I'm risking ankle do. And and I'm not okay with risking that at all because this is still my passion. But I, I think what I'm coming around to this year is that I don't think that is a necessity. Like I don't think that a promotion at work necessitates a neglect of ankle do. Yeah. I hear that man. And I think that's a, I think that's a really healthy kind of approach to it. Um, in terms of, I think I know for me, you know, we've talked lately. A lot of our conversations have been around like discernment and the spirit and those kinds of things. And I think for me, there's this tendency to, try and figure things out in terms of what they will eventually be instead of thinking about what they are now. And it's kind Mm. of one of those things where at the moment, unless the day job is already at risk of interfering with what you feel called to do with Inkledo, there's no reason to try and jump ahead on the timeline and anticipate the discernment that's coming at the next step. Oh, sage advice, which is exactly what I needed. Every now and then, every now and then, don't count on it because I'll let you down if you count on me for it. But but every once in a while, if you're all right with just being surprised by it when it happens, I can I can drop one every now and then. Man, no, you're right because it's me looking into the future, trying to anticipate every freaking possibility, Mm -hmm. and, and then shutting down because. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and so you're right. Yeah, exactly. What we need to do is we just keep driving ankle do, and if it if it gets to the point to where I need to work more on ankle do, then we're in a good spot, and that's a good problem to have. But exactly, we're not. That'll at be that a spot great yet. call to make at that time, right? But like right. right now, right now we're not there, and we believe that we're doing something that God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. But we don't know his timeline for when or if it will get to that point where the two are going to be in conflict. And who knows what other things are going to come up along the way in between now and then. And so there's no reason to don't don't try and discern everything at once. That feels good. That's like a load off like that because that's all that's been my biggest reservation. You know, like I don't want to kill the dream. By, mm-hmm. because you know like i i've i've never wanted to be a cube monkey you know that's never <laughs> never my dream but it, really but I, it's got such a catchy title how could you resist <laughs> but i gotta take care of that family you know and this this would this would you know push the family forward quite a bit so mm-hmm. i that's ultimately call number one exactly so i have to I was answer just gonna that say first yeah that primary vocation has to be primary Mm, man dang it i feel like you just we just like resolved two days of my agonizing in what what's our timer at four minutes no. yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we're coming up on 4 30 at this point just so we're drop that mic and hang up man i don't think I. <laughs> <laughs> well oh. everyone we with that we will say adieu no not really <laughs> not not really but we will hit you with an intro Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. 
The Ankle Dew Podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right, man. Have you uh, had anything delicious to drink? Nothing anywhere near as smooth as that uh, transition into the intro was. That was very nice. (laughs) Good, man. Credit where it's due, man. Credit where it's due. (laughs) Um, No, you know what? Uh, So like I texted you when uh, another little peek behind the curtain, we're recording on Thursday because Brandon's going to abandon me next Monday when we would normally Mm -hmm. record, Mm -hmm. uh, as is right and just. Um, But... I had a, a buddy over who was celebrating a a new job opportunity. And so it really does feel like lately for probably the past week or so, the times where I have had something to drink, it has been like a celebratory occasion type of drink. Mm-hmm. And so they have been a lot more on kind of the, the mixed drink front. And I'm not going to go in depth on it because we already had a conversation that exposed exactly how deep I can go on a martini. But like that, realistically, that's kind of the go-to drink for a lot of my friends. If we're having a special occasion where you're going to have like mm-hmm. one, two drinks and call it a good evening. And so, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been trying some of those different brands of gin and everything. And again, ultimately my big takeaway is that for me, they ought to be dirty. Again, that, that olive juice is just such a a nice way to clean up any of the things that I don't like in cheap gin when mm. it tastes a little too much, like I'm licking a pine tree. You know what? If you just go ahead and put enough olive juice in there, I don't notice that as much, mm-hmm. but nice. that's about, that's about it for what I've had. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of our, um, our coffee because that's what I make. Do 32 you still ounces have our of. coffee? Some, yeah, because it's not an everyday thing for me. Okay, I know I, I made myself say, sound like an absolute cold I was about addict. Okay. No, I'm I'm uh, off air. I'll be placing another order pretty soon. I was gonna say um, we're gonna need to reload you here pretty quick. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the advantage to to knowing the guy who does the roasting is I get a three pound bag instead of one. But <laughs> uh, you know, look, corporate perks. What are you What are you gonna do? <laughs> exactly right. There's got to uh, be some benefit to being here. Exactly. But yeah, no, um, so I've still got some left. And again, it's not an everyday thing because even I know as much as I enjoy 32 ounces of cold brew that every day I'll have fewer days. So (laughs) well put, but yeah, so I've been drinking a lot of our, uh, I believe I've got the, I don't have the label right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I've got our five rings that I've been working through. Uh, I mean, five loves. I just combined them. Oh, (laughs) oh, that's real embarrassing. Fortunately, I'm the one who's editing, so this is still going to be in there. But yeah, no, I meant the fifth love is the one I've still got. Yeah, unless you tell me otherwise, that's usually the default that I that I I give. And I'm actually drinking the last bit of that too, and it's really good. I I like it a lot, man. It is a really super good drinker. Yeah. Um, like I just like this whole week, like I've been brewing it and, or I, I brew coffee on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We don't drink the whole pot and then I drink the cold coffee the next day, whatever. Mm, I don't, nobody mm-hmm. cares, but I don't waste, <laughs> I don't, I do not waste. That's coffee. not true. You're the resident expert. And so <laughs> as the one who roasts the coffee, you are giving per- people permission to indulge their coffee as they see fit. There you well go. done. Um, but it's it's just I, I've caught myself a couple of times drinking it and going, dang it, that's really good, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just really really happy with it. And we have a new one, a new coffee, so it's a natural Ethiopian, and I'm going to. We just bought a bag of that to take with us on vacation. There you go. So, you know, it's going to be hard to tell if the coffee is good or my scenery is making it taste better. But either way, I'm gonna. Consume. I see no reason to distinguish. Yeah, it should be good either way. Uh, they, the whole beach and coffee of, goes together well. Yeah, I was gonna say, and the the whole concept of like a calf, a craft beverage is the idea that it's a drink, it's an experience in a drink, mm. and so yeah, no, your setting and everything is going to influence it, but I don't think that's any reason to take points off of the beverage itself. Fair point. Fair point. So I'm I'm hoping it's really good. It's been fun to roast. Because it it plays differently than than our normal washed coffees do, but it's mm-hmm. 
So we've had we've bought natural coffees before, and I failed miserably on all of them. But this one, <laughs> this one is roasting completely different. It fits our profile so much better. So I'm I'm really excited that it's going to be loaded with with sugar, and so I, I'm excited to see what it tastes like. I haven't spent a lot of time tasting it because it's a brand new bag. I like just right. opened it, so. Very cool. Man. So yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to getting some of that in me as well. Oh, I love it. I was just thinking that it's been a while since we've talked about our coffee, and and I think that's probably the only delicious beverage I've really drank this last week or so. Like it's, I have not been doing anything interesting. Like we've been on <laughs> not not we're not on lockdown, but you know we were going on vacation and we're exactly we had uh, the mother in law was having knee surgery. And so if you get mm. any symptoms at all, they, mm-hmm. they basically cancel all of your procedures. And so you're, you have all, so we had to be on lockdown basically leading up to that to make sure that our kids weren't getting us sick and us getting them sick or blah, 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 and screwing all this stuff up. So we have literally not done anything interesting at all. So I, I'm excited <laughs> for vacation because I'm going to, I'm not even bringing beer with us to the beach. We're going to do a Walmart pickup and I'm going to, go to the Walmart in California and be like, what do you guys have? Surely you have something exactly. that's, that I can't find somewhere else. And so I'm, I'm going to pick up. Oh, some sure. Stuff. Especially in California, there'll be so much stuff that is distributed in California, right. but not across state lines. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. So hopefully I'll have some good stories when I come back. <laughs> and some of them will be about beverages. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. I'm really excited to tell the story about my venture into the ocean in February. We'll see how that goes. We'll see uh, how the that joys goes. of young children when the calendar means nothing. Okay, yes. yes, I am a giant child. And I'm perfectly okay with that. As well you ought to be. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's dig into this and... Uh, I actually really like where we're going, where we've been going and, and where we seem to be taking this. And I kind of want to just keep going down this road is because it's something that I've been working on for a while. Because we started it last year talking about the Holy Spirit and it's really been on me. And so I like that we've really focused on it recently. Mm-hmm. And and so part of that, part of me digging into that a little bit more is I picked up a book that I got. I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago when I was kind of being mentored by somebody and in the faith and they gave me this book by their mentor and and they, the guy that I was learning from his, his whole, everything was built on Galatians 2.20, which I'm going to need to pull it up just to, ooh, that was my book. Sorry. Um, (laughs) That's all right. I, I will edit that out. So, oh, it's basic. Darn it. It's written in this book like a hundred times, and of course I can't find it. Galatians 2.20 is, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Very quickly, I recommend reading it on your own. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. his whole his whole everything was built on that verse, right? That was his whole approach. And I got it. You know, I was like, that's cool. You know, I have my own verse, you know, that kind of lived that yeah. vibe. Um, and so he gave us these books as part of it and I read it, it had zero impact on me 15 years ago. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to pull this book back out because I think it has something to do with what I want to focus on, which is the Holy Spirit in my life. And I read it, I started reading it and I was just stuck, man. I was like, this stuff is just, it's wacky, man. Like I'm having a really hard time because it's, it. It's all Paul, right? And so really, mm-hmm. that's really the topic is talking about Paul and, and the way that he approaches things because I don't really read Paul. Like, I, I'll read the Old Testament before I dig into Paul's letters. Like, his stuff is really hard for me to digest just because it's so different. And this this book on, on Galatians 2.20 just reinforced that for me because the language that he uses is really hard. Like it, mm, like, mm-hmm. you know, died and live the life I live is Christ. And you're like, what? But I understand kind of, but like, I'm still me, you know, like, was yeah. I, and that goes with the whole like born again thing, you know, like, are you born again? And we're like, well, y- yes, new creation, 
And so that's just kind of a language thing that I think is really difficult to, to process. And I didn't know if it was part of, you know, like, is that where Christian mysticism comes from? Is this language or, you know, I don't know. I kind of wanted to dig into it and see if I could, you know, figure that out a little bit. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that is part of it is this idea of mysticism, these ideas of participating in something that goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend and understand. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't attempt to understand it. Like that's where the growth comes in. And so I think it's really important when we talk about this idea of, you know, I am born again or I live in Christ. Yeah, but it's still I who live. Like this isn't a Buddhist ideal of us being absorbed into the great nothingness or anything like that. Yeah. That, it yeah. is It is still us. And like, Paul, it's funny because, you know, you talk about how uh, some of your struggles with Paul are from this very kind of, it is Christ in me and this kind of um, seemingly peace that he sort of has with the... Uh, concept possibly under certain readings of the obliteration of self. And like, it's just Christ. It's not me. It's Christ. Right. But at the same time, in a really kind of interesting crossover of what happens when you've got multiple people looking at the same thing, all of us bringing our own perspective. One of my big struggles with Paul is there is so much I language in Paul. Like, Paul, in part, I think, born out of the fact that he was a persecutor of Christians before he came to the faith, he kind of constantly feels the need to prove himself and to establish who he is and why he has a legitimate calling to participate in this. Mm. And so it is really kind Hmm. of this interesting comparison that I think helps point us towards the reality of the situation. And I think... So there is something to the idea of the mysticism of Paul um, that is very real and that I don't want to ignore. And that definitely ties into some of that tension you and I both kind of felt when we were discussing those more mystical gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right. And that balancing of our tendency towards cynicism for things that we can't fully understand and our desire to be people of faith. Um. But I think that there's also this important thing to realize that it is, yeah, Christ is doing incredible things through us, but it is through us and through how he created us. There is a uniqueness to how Christ will move through me compared to how Christ will move through you or through Mm -hmm. anyone else. Mm -hmm. Our individuality isn't lost, but in a lot of ways is kind of... um, that that fuel, that secret sauce that makes what Christ is doing in us work. And that's right. why we fail so miserably when we try to uh, not be inspired by other people, but to actually emulate them and to try and mimic them as opposed to being inspired by them and taking their example and making it our own. When we instead try to just sort of repeat what they've been doing, we really fall into at least for me, really consistent failure. Yeah. Where things just blow up in my face over and over again. Yeah, it's it's weird because the way you say that, I, I think about a, a lot of the language, you know, and I think we had did an episode a long time ago about uh, Christian music, and, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to miss an opportunity to talk trash about Jeremy Camp's music. Probably a great guy. <laughs> He's done a lot of good, don't get me wrong, but I don't like his music. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, he's got the whole song of the, you know, take my life, take my will, take my... And I'm, I'm like, I feel like that's so confused because it's like God, like, gives us this thing and then we're like, oh, thank you. And then you give it back to him. It's like, it's like getting a Christmas gift and then wrapping it back up and giving it back to that person <laughs> the next year. Like, that seems like a... Right, like we right. look negatively on that. And so I've never really understood why somebody would want to take the gift that God gave you and you would give it back to them. And I'm, I'm sure it's not how they intended it. I'm sure it's meant to be something more than that. But it, that's how it's always come across to me. And so like you said, that obliteration of self is always my problem with Paul because it seems like he is yeah, making it seem like he's not a thing anymore. And that 
that goes into there was the what was it called the holiness movement in like the 1800s right there's mm-hmm. a a a, uh, a uh, daily devotional that i have that's called the utmost for his highest and it's really good but it comes out of that that holiness movement around the revivals in america and things like that and it is almost always you know the point of it is to you know, they talk about people not seeing you and people seeing Christ so that you fade away and that all they see is Christ. And, and it's it all the language is weird because it seems like it it wants to remove us because we're we're not important at all, which mm-hmm. in comparison to Christ, I, under, I understand that in concept. Sure. But, you know, when it comes to like practical application, I'm like, how do you how do you do that? Like, he, well, and and. Honestly, to go back to perhaps an even more basic question that you've already kind of brought up, why why would Christ do that? Like, why go through the trouble of creating us each individually with our own unique mix of blessings from him, gifts that we possess? Why go through the process of creating all of these unique, free-of-any-template beings Right. For the if if the whole purpose of us is to just not get in the way, and at the same time, even as I say that, there is a sense I think in which that idea of us not getting in the way is really important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like it's a paradox that you're you're constantly living in, mm-hmm. and that that makes it really hard to do anything actionable on. Well, and and I think it can. But I don't think it should. And so going back to even like the the concept of what we're talking about with this idea of Paul saying it is not I, but Christ who moves in me. I think part of the problem is that we're confusing um, Paul's recognition that these gifts he has, they are his. They were given to him by Christ. You know, and he was using them before, even in his persecution of Christians. He was using his intelligence. He was using his persuasive speech. He was using all of these gifts that he had in the persecution of the church. And ultimately, the question is, who gets the glory from my work? Like, all of my efforts are doomed to fail unless I allow them to be directed by and pointed towards Jesus Christ. Hmm. So it is still I who do the work. I who put these gifts at the service of Christ, who is the original giver of the gifts. But it's not that I think Paul's statement is again, going back to that. I, I love when we're able to see the human tension in our saints, you know, mm-hmm. it's part of why Peter is always my favorite because Peter is the rock on which Christ builds the church. And Peter is also the one who can't talk for more than five sentences in the gospel without saying something <laughs> wrong. Like if, if Peter's got four sentences in a row, things might be okay. But once that fifth sentence happens, you know, okay, something here is about to go down. Um, but like Paul has kind of that same deal that you can see that very human tension, his desire to give all glory to Christ, which is ultimately what his life is about. But again, also, he's a human being who is very aware of his own failings and shortcomings all that time persecuting the church. The fact that he wasn't one of the, you know, he's working, rubbing elbows with all these guys who followed Christ for those three years of his public ministry who personally witnessed the miracles that he did. And Paul doesn't have that. And so you can see where, again, he has so many I statements in his letters. I never considered, I never considered that at all. Because now that you say it, it you just like rereading it. You're like, man, you're totally right. Like it, it's not, not guilt ridden, but like you said, mm-hmm. very aware of where he came from and the redemption that he received, which is different than, than Peter's, right? You know, yes, Peter's, 
uh, they both have, I actually, that might be an interesting topic would be to compare the redemptions, you know, because Peter Mm -hmm. in theory didn't have a whole lot to be redeemed from. Like he was a, a normal, good Jewish guy. And it wasn't really until he denied Christ that, that Christ redeemed him from anything, right? Like that was the main turning point for Peter is that he fell down and said, I'm sorry, I denied you just like you said I would. And mm-hmm. that that redemption point is when he really steps up and becomes, you know, El Jefe. But Paul, <laughs> yeah. you know, Paul's lived this life of persecution of the Christians and then redeemed him. So there's like, if you know, there's more red in his ledger that he's aware of in that redemption. And so I, I've never, I've never considered that juxtaposition of all the I statements and all of the selflessness that he's mm-hmm. kind of putting together there because that that's the that's the exact struggle that i have like reading this book it would kill me because it would be it would be like all selflessness selflessness not you just christ you go away christ comes forward but then in the out of the exact same the other side of their mouth it would be like you have to do these things and i was like well you just said i'm not allowed to do anything (laughs) and and so it was always very confusing and the best analogy in the book that kind of helped me it was, he said that he liked to go watch surgeries, you know, like the old, like you'd go up and watch them. And he mm-hmm. said one of the most amazing things was watching the nurses. So like the surgeon was working and the nurses were so in tune with that surgeon that he never had to say anything. He would just hold his hand out and the nurses would already have the tool ready for his hand. And so he was working and they were so like in sync with him. That, you know, they were just like the nurses were other people, but they were like an extension of him because they were so, Mm. so in tuned. And I was like, oh, that, that I can make sense of because your identity is still there. But what, Mm -hmm. but what you're saying is that you're so in tune with something that it's like an extension of it, but it's not actually dissolving the self. Exactly. And I think, again, with, with, with Paul's personal story, we can see that. Like his his testifying to the idea that he has been specially appointed as Caiaphas, as Peter was to the Jews, so Paul is to the Gentiles. You know, this apostle chosen by Christ. The least of the apostles, sure, but no less chosen, no less called. And so he is simultaneously asserting his his proper claim, his rightful claim to participate in this ministry in a position of authority, while at the same time acknowledging with all of these statements about, but not I, but Christ in me. He knows that if he allows himself to be what is center stage, if he makes himself the surgeon, then for all of his attempts to heal, he's just going to butcher. Uh But, By allowing himself to take that role, using that analogy you brought up of the nurse, the assistant, the the one who's ready to hand with exactly what they know the doctor is asking of them. When he does that, then he boasts of his weakness because in his weakness, Christ is stronger. And so like this idea of acknowledging his proper place in it. But you can, I think part of the tension for us in terms of understanding Paul is that, and I'm about to say something that's probably a really weird statement, but there is a real danger in us reading the scriptures as if we understand what they're talking about. Like if you were to read a biography about a person and you were to, or if you were to read actually probably more accurately, a speech that someone gave, you would want to look back at their biography and figure out what led them to this point. Mm. And I think we have a tendency to forget the humanity of the authors of scripture. Like, yes, the spirit was guiding them and has guaranteed that what they wrote reveals the truth of God. So the scripture is without error. But that doesn't mean we're without error when we read it. We have an obligation to consider Mm. 
the human hands that held the pen and to understand like where they're coming from, because there are subtleties that'll be lost. It's the same thing as when you try and read the the parables of Jesus, when he's talking about shepherds and farmers of which I am neither. (laughs) Like, yeah. do, do the things that he's saying on some level just make natural sense and carry a lot of, oh, duh moments from his listeners at the time when he was in, you know, first century Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would it be wise for me to assume that I don't have to learn any more about farming or about shepherding before I attempt to interpret and understand what he's saying with his parables? That would be the epitome of stupidity. Mm. Like, I have an obligation to learn more and consider more to get to the depths of that truth. And so when we read Paul talking about how it is not I, but Christ in me, we need to keep in mind, Paul is someone who perhaps more than any of the other apostles knows exactly how his gifts play out with him at center stage. Even if, Because again, from Paul's perspective, prior to his conversion experience, prior to his encounter with Christ, he thought he was serving Yahweh. He was doing Mm. God's will, enforcing the Jewish custom. And so that realization that comes from, oh, me directing my gifts, even if I'm directing my gifts based on what I think God would want, I've seen what a disaster that led to. So no... I need to, going back to that book, give my gifts back to God and say, God, I know you gave these to me, but I need you to show me how to use them. Mm. You know, if you you just give a 15-year-old a car and say, okay, go have fun, they will for approximately 30 seconds. You have to teach them how to drive as well. And so, yeah, Christ has given us gifts and they are ours to use, but ultimately... We should, in humility, be asking Christ, okay, you who know everything about this gift that I'm still in the process of self-discovery on, you show me how to make use of this. You know, I'm... I'm feeling like this weird little sense of embarrassment and shame that I've never really taken the time to consider that I should understand the author more. (laughs) You know, you know? Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I've been reading my Bible legitimately for a very long time and i've mm-hmm. never taken the time to understand paul and why he writes this craziness you know like i've always just thought well, like he's just freaking crazy i don't get it so i'm <laughs> i'm going to read somebody else and, and and just taking the time to to understand that so that that's it's a little frustrating to me and but but anyway there's there's two other things that i want to hit on growth hurts yeah it does man it's and uh, I, w- I would this one little piece I want to add, and then I want to ask you a different question around okay. the same topic. Is that I, so? I'm reading uh, the Gospel of John, and Jesus is prepping them before you know Judas's betrayal and everything like that. So he's giving them the the, the speech at the Last Supper and everything, mm-hmm. and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, and he's talking about how he's going to to bring send the Counselor so that you're going to do more, you're going to be greater. And it was so interesting to me because it seemed like, uh, okay, I get it. Like it, we are still there, but the Holy spirit comes in and brings us up with that. Mm-hmm. So it's us and him together lifting up. So it reinforced that idea that our identity is still important. We're he's, he made us, like you said, that uniqueness is one of the things that I hold on to for heaven, to be honest with you, because I'm, I just sit there and go, there's no way that God could, that, that we'd all be so unique in this way. And it, and it just end, you know, like it, that doesn't yeah, make sense absolutely. to me. Um, and then, and so reading that and it just kind of all came full, full circle for me. And it was just like, man, okay, I, I, I get, I needed that surgeon example. And then reading the gospel where it's like, I'm going to send you the counselor and that's going to all, everybody's going to lift up together in tune uh, I don't know if that connected the thoughts at all, but it, it's part of what's swirling around in my brain is that they all go hand in hand and exactly connecting those dots from the different books, from the authors. Uh, it's, it's hard, but it's good. You know, like it, it's something, and that's why I think these conversations are so important. Like we need to be talking about these things because I would have, I would have continued to, 
not read Paul for that very mm. reason. And then now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time with Paul having this understanding, you know? Yeah. So, but the, the question I wanted to ask you is, while, while chewing on all of this stuff recently, one, an analogy that kind of popped into my brain uh, while reading this was was like the transubstantiation thing, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. So where like this, this physical reality remained the same, but there was like this spiritual reality that was different, which is, you know, the, the born again thing plays the same thing, right? Like your physical body, you don't go into the, re-enter the womb as the Pharisees asked, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but there's a spiritual reality that's different. And in the book, the Not I But Christ book, he's talking about how your old self was crucified with Christ, like actually dead. That old person is dead on the cross. And a new person, a new creation is now alive. And that is the life that Christ is living, as Paul's referring to type of a thing. And and so it got me thinking that there is this, that we kind of live in this, this language got me thinking that there's this physical and spiritual reality connection that, you know, we, I don't think we really talk about it in other, any other realm other than transubstantiation. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think the other kind of parallel for it though, kind of building off of what you were talking about with, you know, uh, that idea of us being crucified with Christ and then risen into this new life. And that's true. And like when we read in the gospel accounts, their description of Christ resurrected is this glorified body. Now, this glorified body, we don't get a ton of detail about. So, like, what that specifically means is a little bit ambiguous for us still. But I think there's a couple of things to keep in mind is that, like, number one, that is still Christ's body. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is this body brought to perfection, but I think it's interesting to note some of the things that remained in Christ's perfected, glorified, physical body. Because this is not a, this is not like a brand new body. It is his original body brought to glory. And we can see that in the fact that the wounds from the crucifixion are still there. Mm-hmm. Like he tells Thomas to put his hands in and like, okay, you said you needed to do this to believe. Well, then here they are. Go ahead. Believe. Um, he eats in front of the disciples. Like it, So this new life, this idea of us being born again, I think is something that we need to focus on in terms of this idea of, and this goes back to everything we've been talking about with, you know, it's not the, the dissolution, the end of who we are as an individual. It's a heightening of, it's, it's a fulfillment of who we were always intended to be. Like, I think it's telling that Christ in his glorified, perfected body still has the wounds of the cross. Why? Because that was when he was most perfectly himself, most perfectly having fulfilled his role in God's plan, having given himself over. And so like this transformation that we're looking for, this elevation by the spirit is still a partnership and our individual giftedness. And that transformation is still there. Like, even though it is Christ's body, like once Christ is revealed to people, they recognize him and they say, Oh, I can't believe we didn't recognize him before. But that glorification, that transformation is still a real enough and substantial enough transformation that people who had known Christ for years walk with him and talk with him on the road to Emmaus for hours and don't realize who they've been talking to until all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't realize it was him. So that transformation is substantial and real, but it's a building on of what was there the whole time from our creation. Okay. I so like I I that comes into conflict with like so much of what 
like I, I know mm-hmm. of. So like, I'm trying not to go down the whole rabbit hole of like, isn't, but there has to be some point in which we were one way and then, then we weren't right. Like we were under the law. Now we're under the spirit. We were under Adam and now we're under Christ recapitulation. Like there, yes. there seems to be this point in which there's like a, a legitimate change, like a real change. And, and that's where Paul's uh, lang- language is. It's like the Holy spirit, like the change was real even though his physical body didn't change. Well, and so I guess, so I, I think I might have, I might have misunderstood where you were going and emphasized. No, no, kind of no. The wrong I, part it's, of it. It's because good. no, no, like I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And like that interior change, that recapitulation, that putting on Christ as our head and that language of Paul, where it's no longer I, but Christ in me in terms of, again, being the ultimate director the the steerer of this vessel right like i am i am cooperating but i have turned over the helm i'm no longer claiming that it should be my judgment that reigns that's a real and substantial spiritual change but what i mean is and i think this goes back into the idea of transubstantiation or even the uh transfiguration of christ up on the mountain that internal change has such a profound impact on who we are like spiritually and bodily, because we are both of those things combined at all times, that even though the physical has not necessarily been transformed, it still becomes almost unrecognizable as it continues to reflect that interior reality of the change that has happened. Interesting. Because I I didn't consider the glorified body and the transfiguration in this. Because that, well, that's, that, cha- that, that's that changes kind of my, like, big... that's kind of like my chronic thing where like, I, I have to connect everything. Like I'm, yeah, I'm very well, I weak mean, to the idea of leaving dots unconnected. Cause that, like it, it's, <sighs> like that, that, that I, I, like I, totally I, throws a monkey wrench in like all of the stuff that I thought I had figured out because so like, let me just tell you what I wanted to say. Um, (laughs) no but like i i I had been thinking you know with with the stuff that paul's been saying and then with um you know what i understood to be like he's focusing on this this spiritual reality which you know is like the salvation like the recapitulation like the the old self is dead and the new self is alive and the 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 way that he says you know the life i live is christ it seemed almost more like there was, I'm going to get like into some weird language because I don't know what else to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so don't, don't dig in too much into the language because I, I don't know how else to say it. No worries. But, but that, you know, we had like our old person, like when we, when we officially are quote unquote reborn, Right. Mm -hmm. Our old self is is legitimately dead and the new life that we're living is Christ. And the way that it made it seem was that like the almost like, um, you know, they say the old life is the law. The new one is grace. And that the actual like, for lack of a better word, like the energy, whatever that kept your cells together, you know, like the actual life force is actually Christ. So now it's like the logos is what is keeping is like your life energy, you know, no longer something else. And so like your actual life is Christ. And, and the way that I, a better example for me to communicate it is when I was talking, when I was getting married, you know, like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I saw, it was like, God is love. Okay. If God is love and I love my wife and, and the love of man and wife is supposed to represent God, then, then isn't that love actually God because God is love. And so rather than seeing it just as like, Hey, I choose to uh, love my wife every day. It's like, no, there's that. I make a choice, but there's also God in the middle who has a firm grip on me and a firm grip on her and what he's bound. Nobody's going to take apart. And so it's the love is not actually just like this random choice that we make every day, but that it's actually God holding us together. Like that love yeah. is real. That love is actually God. And so, um, 
you know, thinking about that, my life is Christ. And I was thinking, I was like, is that something where it's like, there's this actual change in us in that the old person is dead. The new person is alive and that life is different. And I would say that the answer is yes. Like there is, there is an actual death. There is not, um, what we have, what we know as life prior to giving our lives to Christ, um, isn't real or is not fully real at the very least. Uh, it's, and I'm going to mix all kinds of metaphors here and, Quite really possibly hard, man. run the risk of like forcing us to record another podcast immediately so that we're ready to go. <laughs> um, but like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and cross into like some Greek philosophy stuff on this. And like in a very real way, what Plato is talking about in the cave is very much what we're, what we're talking about now. Our life pre Christ is nothing but empty shadows mere kind of reflections of what life could actually be. And we're able to participate in it. We're able to acknowledge it. We're able to see it. There's some level of interaction between us. So we are in a sense alive, but not really, not really. But then at that moment of baptism, at that moment of rebirth by spirit and water, as Christ says, Mm. in that moment, the scales, again, going back to Paul, fall off our eyes. And we're able to see what life really is. And we're able to participate in it in another way. And the more we are able to turn it over to Christ, the more alive we become, the more real our lives and the things we experience become in the same way that you're right. Like even apart from the sacrament of holy matrimony, marriage was still a good thing for humans and still is a good thing for humans. It is a natural good, but the fullness of that good, that, that choosing to love your wife, like you said, it's a very real thing, but that's only part of what it's intended to be. And that fulfillment, that complete experience of what love is, recognizing the Holy Spirit as the bond which has joined you two together inseparably. And that that adds, it doesn't take away your decision to choose to love your wife, but it makes it even more real because you realize now what it is you're choosing. You're able to realize that you are choosing to cooperate with the reality that God has bound you to, as opposed to just, I've chosen it and it will be true so long as I choose it. It's like, no, 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 no. This is true. She and I are bound together and I will cooperate with that reality and dedicate the gifts that I have been given to strengthening and furthering that reality. So there is a very real transformation there. But again, I want to, for me, it's going to keep coming back to this idea that it's a fulfillment, not a dissolution. You know, even when Christ talks about, you know, that idea of one way was the law and one way is grace. And that's very real and very true. But I want to point out that what Christ said about grace is that he did not come to abolish the law. In fact, not even the smallest part of the smallest letter would be wiped away. Yeah, it's not mutually It's a exclusive. fulfillment. Right. It, exactly. It's a fulfillment, yeah. not an obliteration of what things were before. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> All right. So are we going to be able to, to end this one in a certain level of peace and be able to, like, put our heads yeah. down on a pillow and sleep tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I, I want to, like, I, I could definitely, like, this would be one of those ones where I'd be like, another round, bartender, I'm not done yet. <laughs> uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But, uh, but, no, that helps me, and, and I, like, I hope, you know, everybody listening is, isn't like, man, that guy's a wackadoo, but it's just, like, some of the stuff that I'm, I'm processing and trying to understand, 
this language is so hard for me because like probably like Peter makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like he makes sense to me. Paul doesn't because he's sense a fisherman. Yes. Peter is a fisherman and Paul is a philosopher or a theologian more accurately, but still like, right. Peter's entire life was built in the, the day to day realities. And Paul, even before his conversion was very much, his mind was fixed on heavenly things to the extent he was able to understand them from the beginning, Mm -hmm. which means it's always going to be partially beyond our comprehension. Right. And I would think, too, that the Jewish, you know, the approach is that all of them are models for heaven. You know, so like mm-hmm. everything, like the temple is a model of heaven. It's like this is like that, but the this is the physical representation of a spiritual reality. And so him having that, that deep Jewish training would make sense for him to view spiritual realities on top of physical realities as yeah. you know, they, they kind of model each other. And so, again, if I just freaking took some time to learn anything about Paul... <laughs> And and read in context, like I know I'm supposed to, then it wouldn't be so bad. So now now I gotta go back and reread some Paul. So I, I mean I appreciate this, but I actually really like talking about these people and I, I wanna see if maybe you're interested in hitting some folks, like some more more saints, like if you want to hit some Bible saints or even some other saints. Definitely, uh, man. I would love to. I, I you know I I think I think that would be a lot of fun. My I my I have my patron. I've not yet read. There's like my patron has one book, like they have all of his writings in one book, and I haven't read it yet. And so I know Ooh. I know he's gonna smack me in the mouth when I get up there. But so I'm gonna get it well, read. Probably before he I was meet willing him. to do it to Constantine. So yeah, I know. So I you're, I you're in trouble. Anything. <laughs> so that's on my list to read. Like I'm after this the book I'm reading now. So I don't know that I'll have it done in time. But I think we could still still talk about him and and maybe yours and maybe some other ones that we think are are a big deal and and absolutely man i think that's a I great that would be cool well i think cool. you know so at the risk of uh possibly tipping our hand or committing us to something we talked about peter a lot kind of in contrast to paul tonight maybe we should do him on the next one i'm good with that good and that'll that. give you a little bit more time to get to uh to your reading on your patron who we're going to continue not naming and just <laughs> I, 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 see how many no 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 don't don't ruin this okay i, I want to know if anyone like catches on based on the fact that we talked about him slapping you like he did the emperor constantine i want to see if anyone like listening picks up on like and uh it's like that? oh they're talking about this guy <laughs> he's awesome he's but, fantastic uh... <laughs> okay all right well I know we sold everybody on how friggin' amazing our coffee is. I just want mm-hmm. to uh, remind you one last time that it's friggin' amazing. So if you would like to, you know, support us in our in these conversations, we hope they help you because they definitely help us. And to help keep this going, uh, we sell coffee, and so we would like to help uh, provide you that coffee for conversations as well. Uh, so inkledo.com is where we uh, we sell that. So jump on there. And with that, everybody will say, adieu. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another Inkledoo podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 